Stir up your gift by listening to Stir Up the Gift Radio. Hello and welcome to Stir Up the Gift Focus on UTV. I'm Kevin Pulley and glad to introduce our new co-host here, Jade Harrell. Jade, how you doing? And welcome to Stir Up the Gift. Thank you. I'm so glad to be a part of the team. Well, you know, at Stir Up the Gift, what we try to do here is we introduce our audience to people out there who are making a difference. That is, they have that gift and they're contributing with it. They're providing it, using it to help others. Right. Making a difference in our community. Truly a difference. And we have some special people, a special guest really coming up uh, with you very soon. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about identity theft. Now, you know, that's been a growing concern for us uh, in our society today. As a matter of fact, many of us already have invested in a paper shredder of some yes. sort. Uh, we don't give out our Social Security numbers anymore. At least you better not. Uh, and you don't conduct any business unless you're sure you're on a secure line circuit or website. Absolutely. And paper shredder, that's not the end all to all the problems. No, here, right? no, it's not. Because there's actually a story. The person we're going to talk to will help you realize how just the abuse and misuse of your information can go so far. She started out as a missionary and ended up being a hostage simply by someone trying to steal her identity. I have a very powerful story that will open your eyes. Uh, Madeline Coburn is with us up next. Fascinating story with Madeline Coburn. Coming up next with Jade Harrell on Stir Up the Gift, Focus on You TV. Welcome back to Stir Up the Gift. I'm Jade Harrell. This is Straight Talk, where we get to our issues straight away. And our issue today is the 419 scam. Fee fraud. What is it called? Advanced fee fraud. Advanced fee fraud. Say that five times fast. Advanced fee fraud. I'm speaking with Madeline Coburn, who was initially a missionary and was lured to Africa, to Nigeria, and has an incredible story about how you ended up becoming a captive, becoming hostage in your attempts to try to help someone. Can you talk about that? Tell us your story and how you came to be a victim so, uh, so much and almost a uh, party to your own death yes. there by trying to help. Yes. Um, basically, it all started April of 2005. Um, I have an international and national prison ministry. Okay. And I was contacted by uh, a gentleman who uh, was a congregant member of Temple of Faith Gospel Church mm -hmm. in uh, Benin City, Edo State, Nigeria. Okay. And they and wanted you to come minister? Yes. They had gotten there? my information off the International Prison Ministry Network website ah, that I'd okay. uh, actually developed a website on. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we talked several months. I've gotten my pastor involved so that he could know what was going on. Right. Um, at that time, I was an associate pastor with the United Methodist Church. So right. um, I wanted to be relieved of my duties to go do the actual uh, mission that I was called to do for a week there. Mm -hmm. um, we talked from April leading up to August during that time, uh, me and my son. Um, I did a very courageous thing my family thought I was kind of, you know, on edge of. I um, was in the process of moving to a new location, and mm -hmm. um, I was obedient to sell my car to get the monies. Wow. And, um, and you did all that in order to make way to Nigeria? Yes, that is correct. But it didn't quite turn out the way you expected? No, it did not. What happened when you arrived? Um, we arrived, my, both my son and I at the time, he was uh, 11 years old, mm -hmm. and we arrived to Mahama Matola Airport in mm -hmm. Lagos, Nigeria. And at that time, I met several people that I had been in contact with. Mm -hmm. And during that time, um, who's my spiritual mom there, she was on her way to Abuja with some diplomats and, and other ministry work. Mm -hmm. And so she put a number in my hand, and I didn't know who it belonged to. Um, I was then left in the hands of the pastor who had requested me and my son mm -hmm. to, come. to come and minister. Yes. Okay. And um, we left there and we were going to 
a hotel that I had already picked out. I right. made all of my own arrangements and everything mm -hmm. since I was paying for it. And um, we stayed at the Precious Palm Royal Hotel. Um, I thought I was having the presidential suite, mm. but when I went there, um, it was a one-bedroom, um, one-toilet usage, and a 13-inch black-and-white television. But did you expect that because it was Nigeria, or was that something substandard for even that region? Well, it was substandard for that region, okay. but according to the website where you can make your own reservations, mm -hmm. I was under the impression that it was like a five-star hotel that would be here um, in America. So where does the 419 scam come into play with your your arrival there and once you were in place, what happened next? Well, keep in mind, I had been funding this ministry um, to be able to provide Bibles and different biblical literature that it could go to those that were incarcerated there at Oko, uh Prison. Okay, you and, were going to visit a prison at that point. Yes, I through see. the church. The church had me under the impression that they had a prison ministry. I understand. And that is what I do. Right. Uh, and so I was funding them with monies through Western Union to be able to provide the biblical literature, the pamphlets, and Bibles mm -hmm. in large print. Mm -hmm. And so when I was re requested to come, as I said, I, I went on and made the provision to make it happen. Okay. And so when my, my son and I, we arrived there, um, it was nothing like what I was told, mm -hmm. what was conversated about uh, with my pastor and myself and even my sister pastor who was down in Smith Station, Alabama. Uh, the reason I got my pastor and my sister pastor involved, they were both retired military. I see. And so they kind of knew the region um, when it comes to international travel. But they weren't there with you at They the were time. not there. But they, they, they actually, I could say they kept uh, in contact with me prior to my leaving okay. of every step of the way and what I had to do. So how did you know that something was wrong? Well, uh, initially what took place is when I got there, I um, realized that the agenda that was given to me was fictitious. It, mm -hmm. it was nothing what it was stated. How did they differ? Um, because the first thing I was supposed to do was I was supposed to visit the schools mm -hmm. in the area, and during that time of August, school is out. Oh. So that's how I first caught on. And then secondly... You didn't know that prior to I didn't know that arrival. prior to. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do a lot of research, and I began to ask questions. Right. And um, the pastor, he began to get irritated and agitated okay. by that. And it got to the point where the individual that I was communicating with prior to coming, his name um, fictitiously was Blessing Idahusa. Mm -hmm. And the Idahusa family is a very large, prominent diplomat family over okay. there in Nigeria. And I was told that he relocated to another village. So were you comfortable at that point, or when did you start to see that you were in danger? Um, when I had an AKA-47 held up to my chest and my money was taken. What happened? Um, I was forced to go to the Western Union to get more money mm. um, back here in, in, in the United States from a friend of mine because every day I was just spending money, spending money, and, and we couldn't eat, my son and I, what they were eating off of our money. We had to eat boiled eggs and boiled rice every day I and um, I began to question that and so I had to get more money because we were running out of money feeding all of the village mm -hmm. and when we walked to the Western Union they pulled an AK-47 out on me and my son was back in the, the truck and at that point I was prepared to die I said if you're gonna kill me kill me without my son watching mm. and so it was and and it, it tears me up sometimes even I when bet. I talk about it but um, but are they, the, the people who pulled a gun on you, were these the same people that brought you to the hotel that you met at the airport? Or I mean, could you have been robbed or, um, I guess they say, jagged by someone else in the area that maybe assumed you had money? How are they connected? Well, I can't really 
you know, put a thumb on that, okay. how they were connected. But, but they were. They were connected because they knew I were coming. Um, he had taken my cell phone, SIM chip, to work because I couldn't make calls from over there. I had to because call. Because of reception? Um, not reception. I just couldn't call through my phone because I came from the U.S. with my U.S. cell phone. Mm -hmm. So they have their so own MTC phones. Exactly yeah. is a, and is a so other issue. I had to you take my SIM chip out of my cell phone and mm -hmm. use in his cell phone, mm -hmm. which he was monitoring my calls. And so by that point, he was always on the phone communicating in Ibu language, mm -hmm. and I could not interpret that. that. No. Right. So you're in the Jeep, you say, with your son. Yes, and, and, and two him. other church members okay. and the pastor. Oh, from your own church? No, I was the only one From with. the church in Nigeria? Yes. Okay, I follow. And there's an AK-47 pointed at you. Yes. And you could tell you're being threatened even if you didn't understand the language. Yes. What did they want from you? To get off the phone and do not talk. And I had to walk into the Western Union. And at that point, he helped me fill out the paperwork so that I can get the money that was being transmitted to me there. And it was at that point when I got the money, we got back into the Jeep. And he didn't take me to the prison to visit Reverend Popola, who was the prison chaplain there. And I began to start questioning him, and then he got more agitated, and he told me, you do not speak. And it was at that point I just lost all religion, as they say. <laughs> I, I, I kind of went back into St. Louis <laughs> mentality, you know, because I knew I was going to die at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just felt... So did you fight? I didn't physically fight. Mm -hmm. I, I fought with words. Mm -hmm. God had just given me the words, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I had to play it smart. Um, my background is in technology, so I asked them to take me to the Internet Cafe so that I can get more money to have mm -hmm. sent to me. And so he was willing to take me to the Internet Cafe. Mm -hmm. And even though I had one interface window up, so he thought I had another one behind that, sending out SOS messages to CBN, Christian Broadcast Network, my pastor, mm -hmm. uh, my sister's pastor, um, anyone that could help me. I was sending out SOS right. messages. Well, that's fortunate for you. You had the knowledge to do so. Yeah. Paint the picture for me. Is this a, a modern town? Is it civilized? I mean, you say Internet Cafe. Yeah. Does it look like any other city, maybe even in St. Louis? No. Are you somewhere remote? Well, to paint a picture visually for you, the, over in, in Nigeria, because of their power grids, they don't have a good power source. Uh -huh. And so a lot of people don't have uh, access to what we call uh, Wi-Fi here you know, a broadband. But They're, you had that privilege because they thought you would be able to get more money. Right. And so when we went to the Internet Cafe, keep in mind, that's like going to like a St. Louis bread company right. or something of that exactly. sort. And so you have to pay 100 naira, uh, which would have been equivalent to like $25 at mm -hmm. that time. To use. To have Internet access usage, yes. Well, I'm looking at you right now. So obviously they weren't successful in their attempts to hurt, harm, or kill you. Well, I beg to differ on that. Okay. They, they, I say they raped me spiritually, financially, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Not physically, but mm -hmm. all the other three. Mm -hmm. Because of the state that I was in, I was at their mercy. Yes, you I had to do what mm -hmm. they had to do mm -hmm. on top of the fact of being calm for my son. Mm -hmm. because he was did, he with you all this, the, every the, time, the full time? Every time. That's and, a blessing. And, and he ended up catching malaria, oh, and, and so did I. And we were basically From left. the water? Uh, we had to take baths out of buckets we could we wasn't allowed to take baths because they didn't have um clean showers That's or amazing. tubs mm -hmm. so we had to um use this uh, solution called detro which is an antiseptic that kills the 
insects mm -hmm. and things of that nature. But it did not stop the malaria. Right. Even though I took the malaria shots and pills before leaving. Of course. In order to travel over, uh, but abroad, you would have to have It did not come back. No. No. Mm -hmm. So these were the things we were faced with. Well, uh, certainly you weren't without harm, but you, they did not succeed in assassinating you. And, and, and they did not succeed, succeed in killing you. Right. Even though you that survived. was the, I survived. It was their motive. Mm -hmm. um, now, but, this is something that it's it's not as commonplace that we would hear about it every day, but it's becoming more recognized because it happens to yeah. more than more people than we know. Well, it never happened to clergy such as I am. Okay. Uh, when we finally got out, this has been happening to just individual like businessmen or women. Okay. This has only been known for businessmen or women mm -hmm. to transact business from international. They're targeted. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I was the first um, that it was brought to attention to the U.S. Embassy. Um, I spoke with when I got out. That's what but, I was going to yeah, ask you. The, How did you get out? Um, through my spiritual mom. She's diplomat over there. And mm -hmm. when she came back from Abuja, um, she made contact with uh, Bishop Margaret Itahusa because they used her name. And she sent one of her network of ministers to get me, but mm -hmm. he lied to them, you know, but we end up having to go back to her place because she knew I was there and he couldn't refute the fact that I was not around. So he had to bring me back to her palace. Mm. And so when I came back, that's when she said she will not leave my place, her or her son. And so they didn't try to attack her or, oh, they couldn't. or kill they her. Couldn't. She, because... she has security in her home. Oh. And, and so he couldn't. And at that point, we were able to recover 96,000 Naira uh, back from him. He sold his Mercedes. Has that organization and, been exposed at this point? Uh, yes, it has. Mm. Yes, it has. And um, the, the, the blessing out of it, even though we got out and the embassy, um, the U.S. Consulate Embassy in Lagos, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I thank God for the Chief of Staff of American Citizen, Mr. Yes. Greg Calcott. Okay. Because as he told me, this is something that has never happened in history before oh. with the 419 advanced fee fraud with I clergy. See. Mm -hmm. So I was blessed to be able to get out of that predicament and situation, both my son and I. But a year later, after the situation happened, um, I've been able to minister to that pastor. Oh, praise and, God. And bring him unto salvation. Praise yes. God. Yes. Give thanks for that. Yes. That's definitely stirring up the gift. An amazing story for you. Madeline Coburn with us. And you've got many other things that have occurred since then so you are a true survivor we will have you back on the program and i thank you for joining us and shedding light on this very sure. serious sure. and 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 powerful sure. situation and, if, yeah. and if i may just say yes. you know the important fact i want to mention to those that are seeking to travel international mm -hmm. as missionary evangelists pastors or just even for as teens traveling on missionary trips yeah be very mindful mm -hmm. and do your research because I did my research. My pastor did his research. I had other people research and they were former retired militaries. It can happen. And it can happen to you. So what I want to just give a notation of as if you're due to travel international, do your homework yes. and make sure that you're registered with the U.S. State Department so on their website you. so that they would know where you're going, who you're going with, and give an address and phone number. That's and that way, you will never be caught in a situation such as I was given erroneous information. Welcome to Step the Gift, Focus on You TV. Look forward to Teens Are Talking. I am your host, Akilah Bryant. See you soon, and we will be talking. We're back with Straight Talk on Stir Up the Gift, Focus on You Television. Speaking with Madeline Coburn, my goodness, that 
that just scares me. It almost makes you feel concerned about being a good Samaritan going out in ministry, but you can't let that hold you back. You're a real story of survival, but you've actually gone from life to death and back to life. And since you've been back to death again, uh, but make sure you remember AFF advanced fee fraud. Look it up. Use your Internet. You use all the resources you have to research and find out more about this so that you don't become a victim. So you've come back here to the United States. Praise God. But now you're you're dead again. Uh, two years later. Yes. Uh, I don't understand. Tell me about it. Well, um, I was a former Webster University student. Uh -huh. uh, I was taking up entrepreneurship, international business. Yes. And um, I had got chosen to uh, partake of a business internship okay. in Accra, Ghana. And <laughs> you went back. No, I chose to go because uh -huh. I have work to do there. Right. And um, because of the network of associates I'm in touch with, that was an opportunity for me to go back to help build their economic development structure okay. over there. Okay. And so in March, I had been in school over a year. Mm -hmm. And so in March of this year, 2007, um, I believe it was the 21st of March, I um, got word back from Mohila that um, I got denied my financial aid for my summer business uh -oh. internship. And why? And the reason why they said I was listed by TransUnion Credit Bureau as a deceased consumer with the code 29 on my name. And when I questioned that, of course, the representative couldn't tell me that. He gave me an 800 number mm -hmm. to make contact with the mm -hmm. credit bureau. And at that point, it was just a spinoff from there. So how far-reaching was it? First, you were denied financial aid because they assumed that you were dead. How did they get the information that you were deceased at all? Well, um, they, they, they didn't know. You were just recovering right, from one ordeal. Right. They, they didn't know. Um, they thought you had died over... over uh, no, it had They're not related. To, it's not related whatsoever. Mm. Whatsoever. Okay. And, and I'd, I'd like to um, put focus on that, that what happened in Africa is not related to what's happening in America. It's a whole other area. Yes, ma'am. That mm -hmm. is correct. And so during that time, um, I began to do my research, as I say. Okay. That, that's my former background. Um, when I did my research, I found out from TransUnion mm -hmm. that I was considered dead as of January 2007, which was three months prior to me finding out. Wow. And so they, you been, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they really weren't looking for you to come looking for financial aid. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I so couldn't understand. So they thought you were a fraud, actually. Yeah. And no one would talk with me because with so much identity theft right. that is going on in our country right now and yes. a lot of the terrorism activity that has taken place, yes. um, they were kind of um, at a distance and talking to me mm -hmm. about me with my personal information. Mm -hmm. So I began to do research. I contacted 16 federal agencies mm -hmm. all the way from Washington, D.C. Okay here locally. Wow. And um, I started off initially with the Federal Trade Commission because that's normally what you do when you're under the impression that it may be identity theft. Mm -hmm. um, Someone may have assumed your identity right. and made you con uh, uh, considered dead there. Right. Okay. And so when I um, filled the application out online mm -hmm. to report the incident, um, I got a response back that um, they gave me an ID number. And so I then had to, from them, contact the Department of Homeland Security. So you followed that all the way up to D.C. with the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. What results have you had? Um, none as of this day. T so today you're still considered deceased? As far as I know, I have so not I'm, gotten So I'm dreaming, right? <laughs> you, this you, really no, I mean, okay. this is what I've constantly been trying to mm. uh, convey. 
And once again, this is something that can happen to each of us. Oh, yes, most definitely. I mean, the way technology is right now, mm -hmm. World Wide Web, which yes. means anything can infiltrate it. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a, a former uh, programmer, that's what I did when I worked in corporate. Mm -hmm. I, I coded and I, I, I did all kinds of things with different languages, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to... Uh, uh, implement, you know, on mainframe systems, client but service systems. Can get confused oh, yes, there. most do you definitely. you think that's what happened with you? Uh, yeah, but it, it, it really goes deeper than that. Mm -hmm. Even though it was a technology era with a code 29 on my name to where no one would touch it. I mean, I've had former governors, I've had um, Congress, state representatives, state senators, um, lawyers, mm -hmm. no one knows how to deal with this problem. They say this is so unique. Mm. They've never heard of this mm. with the code 29. And you've been all up and uh, you've been all uh, throughout our, I guess, uh, legislative system to I've get gone out. from Washington, D.C. You've got the experience to Jefferson City, <laughs> to Jefferson City. Yes. And no one knows how to handle the problem. I've contacted the attorney general's office, the Department of Finance in Jefferson City, the governor's office. I've contacted um, mm -hmm. As I said, uh, Claire McCaskill, the state mm -hmm. senate, uh, I mean, the U.S. Congress, no one has ever heard of this. Mm -hmm. And the problem still exists. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going from day to day with nothing. I mean, I can't get help. How, yes, how My bank accounts have been closed. Mm -hmm. um, I can't go get any loans. I can't operate my consulting firm. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything mm -hmm. because I'm considered deceased. And as I was told, and we thought simply our credit, I mean, our credit can affect us in, in many ways, but yeah. uh, that's to the ex extreme. Through my research, what I was told, and it's been all on local news. I've even gone as far as international and BBC news with wow. CNN. Mm -hmm. And what I was told through interviews online, on the phone, um, that has been captured through the media is that my file through the credit bureau has been expunged. Mm -hmm. It's been sent to the deceased warehouse. And how it happened, just simplistically that I had a credit card from First Premier Bank. That account was closed two years ago. Mm -hmm. They sold it to a non-affiliate third-party agency okay. that made contact with, with so they thought, and... with me uh -huh. on a two-year-old phone number that does not exist for me. So why wouldn't that be just a change of address or something? Well, they never contacted I me. See. They tried to contact me through phone as of December 19, 2006. So an and a gentleman who had that number he proclaimed that he was my cousin. <laughs> and he told them you were He told them city. as of November 26, 2006, <laughs> I was declared deceased. Mm -hmm. My attorney was handling all of my assets and my estates. He refused to give his name, the attorney's name and information, and they accepted that word verbatim. And it's been a, a disaster ever since. Yes, it's been a snowball effect. But it has, but in, in one sense. But in another, you've gotten the best schooling for what you're about to announce here today. You've garnered, you've been in and out, the, you've learned the inner workings of our, our legislative system. Yes. You've learned the inner workings of our credit system. Yes. You've learned uh, firsthand what it's like to be a victim of, of fraud or an error, a technical error. And suffering. And suffering. Yes. So that qualifies you, I would say, to let me let you also know that and make mention that Ms. Madeline Coburn is, is running as an independent, unaffiliated, as governor of Missouri. How will you use what you've learned and what you've experienced to help our citizens here? Well, basically running as an independent candidate uh, mm -hmm. for governor on an uh, independent candidate ticket for 2008, um, my basic focus is to be able to be a restorer mm. to the breach. Now, why not 
alderman? Why not mayor? Why did you go all the way to <laughs> the highest level? Well, because governor? because of the things that I've been directly affected by, mm-hmm. uh, with no health care insurance, mm-hmm. being on disability, uh, mm-hmm. being cut from the mod program, um, living in housing, mm-hmm. um, all of those things were a barrier for me. And I never thought I'd be there when I uh, became ill back in 99, which caused me to be on disability. And now, I be- you became ill because of? I had a heart disease situation that I was dealing with. Uh, as I told you, I worked in corporate, my former background being a program analyst. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the stress for the Y2K <laughs> situation we were going through. Yeah. you know. But because of the situation that has taken place since 2000 to present, I never thought I'd be in this situation. Had you wanted to, were you interested in the uh, political arena at all before? Yes, I've, I've always considered okay. it and given it thought, but, you know, um, now is the time. Now is the time. For such a time as now, I've been called and assigned to do something such as this for mm-hmm. the people of Missouri, to be able to restore back what was taken from the people. Mm-hmm. We, we have to stand up. We have to stand up for righteousness. Yes. And because of not just things that has happened to me personally, I've seen what the system can do. Good morning. My name is Paulette Luckett, the new beauty consultant for the Stir Up the Gifts programs. In the upcoming months, we'll be discussing skincare, glamour, and fashion. If you have any questions about anything that you see on the show or you would like discussed on the show, please feel free to mail it to Paulette Luckett at P.O. Box 16, Hazelwood, Missouri, 63042. I look forward to speaking with you in the upcoming months. Good morning. My name is Susan Booker Jackson, and I am the author of a book entitled Ministry Through Spiritual Poems and Plays. This morning, I'm going to read to you one of my poems from my book. It's entitled Spirit Within. I had so many feelings bottled up inside, felt as if I had lost my mind and my pride. But God said to me, I've set you free. You now have my spirit within. Don't worry about obtaining favor with man. Just take his hand and make a firm stand, for the spirit is within. Now my life is complete, firmly planted at his feet because of the spirit within. And that's quite a remarkable journey that's just getting started (laughs) as governor, hopefully as governor, running on independent tickets. Madeline Coburn is joining us. This is Straight Talk. I'm Jade Harreld. Stir up your gift. This is Focus on You Television. Don't forget, Teen Talk is coming, coming soon. If you have something to say, young person, I know you do, and you want to be heard, this is the place to do it. Make sure you get in in contact with us. Check the numbers below in the address and let us know so we can talk with you. You stay close and stir up your gifts. 